The presenting sponsor for On Education is Classcraft. We're excited to announce Classcraft's new story mode, which makes it easy for educators to harness the power of stories. Episodes 1 and 2 of Season 1 are ready for you and your students to play today, and it's completely free. To learn more about Classcraft and the new story mode, simply visit classcraft.com slash oneducation. Edu podcast, Edu podcast godfather. godfather. Uh, it's a little bit long, but something Jeff in. Bradbury. Welcome to On Education, part of the Education Podcast Network. I'm Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will discuss the merger of ISTE and EdSurge, debate why it's vital for schools to provide recess to our students, and our guest this week is educator and podcaster Jeff Bradbury. The godfather of podcasting. The The dean. Yeah, the dean for sure. The dean of edu podcasting, Jeff Bradbury. Jeff Bradbury. Very exciting. Yes. You should, folks, stick around for that interview. It's fantastic. Fantastic audio quality too. That's actually the that's, that's actually the best. That's true. It's such high quality. It's gonna be like oh. it's like heaven to your ears. It's like we we're at a radio station at one of those studios and we we're all recording we're not? in the same room. That, of course we are. That's that's what we're trying to mimic. So so we got we got so much going on that we needed an updates section at the top of the podcast. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. So Impact Education Conference coming up very soon, very yes. quickly. Um, I'm going to China, and then I'm home for a week, and then it's on. So lots happening. Um, make sure you register for the conference. Please come. Hang out with us. Have some fun. We have a podcast. Hey, Glenn, we're doing yes. a podcasting workshop. You guys should join us for podcasting workshop. If you are interested in starting a podcast, if you are interested in having your students start a podcast, or yeah. just have a general interest in wanting to go ahead and see what it's all about, everybody in between, we will provide the resources and opportunities actually to go ahead and publish your podcast immediately. That's what this, the whole thing is for. It's something where you – an all-inclusive package. You're going to do the stuff. You're going to produce it. You're going to publish it, and if you want to go ahead and post it – publicly which we are highly going to encourage you to it it's going to be out there we're going to make it happen we literally want the the deliverable the yes. final thing of this like you don't go to many workshops podcasting or otherwise and leave with something that you've an artifact of your learning at pd conferences you you just don't you go and you sit and you listen to people talk and then you leave and you have maybe you have notes or whatever ideas but we actually want you to leave with something we want you to leave with an actual episode of a podcast that yes. you've recorded and you can either put that on your own podcast if you want or um, we are going to if you want to give it to us we will we're going to pool some of these and then choose maybe two or three depending on how many we get we're going to choose some and we're going to actually put them out on on education it's going to be I awesome think it, I, I think it's going to be rad so fantastic um so this is a, a pre-conference session, so it does cost a little bit of money to register, but we're hoping that you will get a ton out of it. Um, so we're really excited about that. We'll, we'll put the link to registering for the conference and registering for the um, pre-conference session. This is for our friends in the Minnesota area yep. and wherever people Dakotas, come from that, that Iowa, came from Ties. Yeah. Wisconsin. We, we know all of you guys come in and come to the former Ties conference. This is going to be the amazingness of the Ties Conference times 1,000. I'm telling you right now, the things that they've decided to update, upgrade, it's it's crazy. It's going to be that much better. It already was a great conference, and now it's yeah. going to be taken to the next level. Amazingness times 1,000 is okay. the title of this podcasting episode. <laughs> So, so we've actually just, um, it kind of came to us last week that we, we wanted to make the booth at, at, um, impact, you know, a hub of activity. Um, so we're actually, we've teamed up with one of our sponsors fidgets to do a giveaway. 
So if you come to Impact Education Conference and you're a high school educator specifically, um, we're going to have um, our friend Connor with us. Um, our, he, he's going to um, help you sign up to subscribe to the podcast because, you know, we're selfish and we need to get something out of it. <laughs> and then um, you're going to get for free a Fidgets um, electronics sensor kit, one of the things that they're, they're giving away. Um, and we're super excited for that giveaway so um you know it's win-win you're going to get to listen to on education and subscribe and you're going to get this this sweet giveaway from fidgets um, if you come by the booth well we should have stickers and stuff like that as well and hopefully we'll set up some chairs and people can just kind of sit and hang out and listen to us chat um obviously there's tons of other um live sessions happening that week yes. as well or that weekend um we're going to be doing the fireside chats with jordan and jimmy and angela I, I i can't remember who all we're talking to but tons of those as well so there's there's so much going on so jordan shapiro and yeah. michael cohen i think is what yeah, our, yeah 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 but we will definitely be interviewing everybody that you just finished mentioning too it's gonna be exciting oh, awesome so also pretty exciting. I'm doing a webinar with uh, the folks at Participate, Mark Otter, who's the CEO of Participate, and Julie Keene, who I think her title is Head of Learning at Participate, um, wanted to chat with us about um, how to build communities. Um, they, they think we've done a pretty okay job at building the on education community um that's pretty exciting to us to hear yes. it's great great feedback um lots of respect there i mean that's it feels that's pretty huge. honored to be honest yes. um so so we're going to have a webinar thursday november 21st at 2 p.m we're going to have a link in the show notes to register for that webinar. So if you're around on Thursday, November 21st at 2 p.m., which is, I get it's in the middle of the day, um, you know, so hopefully we can have people show up and, and chat about building communities um, because that's definitely something we're pretty passionate about about here. So tell me about Disco Elysium. <laughs> I watched your stream a little bit. Yeah, so it's a, first uh, off, it's a freaking weird game. It's super strange. Um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely for mature audiences. I'll pre-warn everybody, so yeah, don't, yeah. don't have the kids around. Um, and it just is super weird. I've now played, I played some of it online and then uh, as far as streaming it, and then I've played probably about four or five hours of it. Mm -hmm. And it is a detective game. There's a good way to be able to describe it. It kind of reminds okay. me of... Uh, it has the feeling of a Sherlock Holmes kind of mm. uh, feeling, like kind of dystopian in that way. So, so everything is really kind of grungy and mm. not very nice, you know, kind of the world, you know, and the way the characters interact with each other and talk to each other has fantastic music that they've set to this uh, world to. The characters are crazy, uh, amazing, and like really gross, you know. Kind of, but but really compelling. So I'm really enjoying it. I, I, as someone said, they highly recommended that we play this game, and I can see why. It's just so different than anything else. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I'm definitely still hooked on Oxygen Not Included. Yes. I saw that you were still playing that and enjoying it a lot. So I'm, I'm way down the rabbit hole. I'm watching YouTube videos now, mm. like which is what Tutorials. I did with Mike. Yeah, yeah, on how to build certain like mm. things um, because there's definitely a lot of like building in the game. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So it's your birthday, man. Woo! So you're, I just figured Podcasting out. on my birthday. I don't know how I didn't know this, but you're November 11th and I'm yeah. December 11th. Oh, and Steve uh, Isaacs is November 10th. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, There's lots you know, of small these... world. And it's, it's Remembrance Day uh, yes. in Canada, Veterans Day it, it in is, the U.S. Yep, it's Veterans Day for us. And so, yeah. So I, I, I like a lot of, a lot of people have like every once in a while someone says, don't you hate having your birthday on a day that get it gets completely overshadowed by 
by Remembrance Day. And I'm like, no, actually, you know, what's really cool about having your birthday on Remembrance Day is that it has caused me more often than not to be super reflective Mm. about my life and about, you know, my family and the opportunities that I've been afforded because, uh, you know, my great-grandfathers and and great-great-grandfathers, you know, went and fought these Mm -hmm. wars that I couldn't possibly imagine participating in. Exactly. Um, You know, um, so I, I, and, and I think it contributes to this whole, you know, idea of why I'm a history major too, like why I'm into history and certainly also have studied quite a bit about specifically about World War II, but war and, and, and stuff like that is, you know, part of this whole, this whole narrative of, of just being completely in awe of what people did. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I wrote a, a Twitter thread um, and and I would encourage you know please go back and read it because I, you know it was it was today so November 11th around around five o'clock four o'clock in the afternoon um, about you know just like I'm trying to generate some imagery but the the guy going over the top in the trench that just totally knows he's going to die yet goes anyways or that first person off the boat, when they're storming the beaches of Normandy, for example, mm-hmm. who totally like they opened the door, like and that image is um what's the movie with Tom Hanks, um Saving Private Ryan, Saving Private Ryan. yep, where they that imagery is so real, where they opened the gate for all the soldiers to pour off the boat, mm-hmm. and the guys at the front are dead before they even get off the boat, yeah, and that sort of bravery, that sort of um, selflessness is not lost on me, um, and and I think about it a lot today, um, and how thankful I am um, that you know I'm doing what I'm doing, and and with my family, and and how you know how many uh, opportunities we have, uh, all because of the sacrifice of you know these folks, um, you know our our family mm-hmm. members and service people all over the place. So, so pretty thankful today. Uh, 40 is kind of a weird number. So you are 40. 40 today, buddy. <laughs> I'm just laughing because you reached the pinnacle, baby. <laughs> Actually, you know what? 40 is pretty good. You know, I, I've been, I've been thinking about it, um, from a, a couple other contexts, but one of the main ones is I used to joke I was always like, I always used to joke that I'm 35 going on 60 is what I mm. used to say all the time because I always felt like garbage all the time and I was tired and yes. just worn out and beat up. And I swear to God, guys, I don't feel like that today. Mm. I am 40 and I'm and I'm 40 and that feels really good. Going on 29, baby. Going on, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm incredibly determined to feel better and more healthy in my 40s than I was in my 30s. Um, I'm hoping that my 30s were my worst decade mm. in terms of my health, and uh, I think I'm, I think I'm on a roll. Um, you, you're, you're, you're still doing hot yoga. I know. <laughs> I just wanted to bring this up because I did it uh, this morning at 5 a.m. And and what's, there's nothing I can imagine doing less than hot yoga at five in the and, morning. And this specific type of hot yoga, Mike, did it there's kick different your ass? there's different types of sessions. Let okay. me just describe. And I didn't even realize any of this was the case, but now I'm realizing that. And one of them, one of the types, is called restorative, and it's really. It's a lower temperature in the room and you do these long holds of these poses and it's fantastic. It's like okay. a basically like a an amazing stretching session, right? It's difficult too. I mean, it's not, you know, but on a scale of 1 to 10 it's probably like a like a 7, right? Okay. So this session that I did this morning is totally about basically getting a uh, high intensity interval training. I don't know if you've ever heard of that hit training. It's, oh. it's basically uh, a combination of hot yoga and high intensive intensity interval training and weight training, right? Sounds terrible. All in one session, right? That's 60 minutes inside of a room that's baking, right? 
it's baking. I mean, this is the hot one. And what was funny about it is that at the end, the whole session happens and whatever might be. And the instructor looked at me with this kind of like, she felt sorry for me kind of face, like, like something like, you did a good job. <laughs> like, like, you did horribly, but I'm going to tell you, you did a good job. Pat on the back. <laughs> everybody else was, dom- was, I'm telling you, everybody that was in there was dominating the freaking workout, like just, just, just doing great. And you were being And dominated. I was, oh my goodness. There was some points in there where I was, I was contemplating stopping and I'm like, no, I got to work through this. I can actually do this. Uh, and then. I was like, why am I doing this? <laughs> but I made it through. It's the second time I've done this specific type, but it never at 5 a.m. in the morning. So I just want to tell people, if you want an intense workout and you want to do something completely different than you've ever done as far as workout was, this might be your <laughs> this might be your cup of tea. Um, and I, I mean, I'm super impressed by the, the instructors, the people that go to these things. Um, but I, I'm going to be back. I'm, I, I'm like... I know that that lady didn't think I was ever going to come back, but I'm going to be back and I'm going to show her that this pathetic guy right here is going to be like, I'm going to do this. You're in for it. <laughs> That's amazing. So we um, we interviewed Mayor, uh, yes. what was that, three weeks ago, yes. and the the style of the interview was different than we've ever done. Mm-hmm. And, and I referenced a YouTube channel that I'm a giant yes, fan of called Hot Ones, and then... You've jumped on the hot ones train. Oh my god! <laughs> we need to provide a link to this. It it's amazing. It is so Fun. good. Yeah. And I and I was actually describing it to my wife, and she just looked at me and said, "It sounds really dumb." <laughs> and did, I'm like, "Did she look at you the way you looked at me when I described like, it for the you record?" Don't, you don't understand, right. though. Um, so I watched. I've I've seen now three of them. I watched, I saw the one um, with a chef, uh, Gordon Ramsay, which yeah. is so hilarious. Hysterical. If you guys yeah. like Gordon Ramsay anyway, you should watch that. Yeah, Make sure your kids on. aren't in the room because there's a lot of F-bombs in it. Yeah. Um, the one with uh, the the uh, actress who plays Arya Stark, Made. Okay, yeah. I can't remember her her last name. I think Made is something. Maisie Williams? Uh, Maisie. Maisie Williams. She's super okay. awesome. She's on there. And then Shaquille O'Neal was the okay. last one that I watched. Um, started watching him this weekend. Watched a couple. Of, I'm just like now going like, this is the most hilarious show yeah. because of those dang hot wings. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> it's a great interview, by the way. It's, it's a an fantastic awesome interview. He's interview. a pro interviewer. The guy, the, and then the guy is participating in the eating of these dang hot wings that are yeah. in, like not even just flaming hot like incredible levels of heat yeah, that yeah. are just the hottest ungodly. one is like in the millions yeah in the millions people should not be touching this no like, this guy's actually this crazy it's, it's like it's like i'm eating acid right now it's yeah. like yeah that's kind of on that level it's the corrosiveness probably of acid and this guy's participating but still being super professional about asking these questions the people are melting down because they're just they're, they're just on fire uh fantastic so like if you uh, wanted an exemplar of of a great interviewer a mm-hmm. non-traditional great interviewer to show like for a lesson in yes in like broadcasting or journalism yes. or like any if you're a college teacher and you have a class like journalism 101 like this guy's doing a master class in great interviews <laughs> so in good. non-traditional ways. And he's he's not just a good interviewer for that type. He's a yeah. good interviewer. Like just he's in general. a le- legit yeah. pro. Yes. Um, Sean Evans is his name. Sean Evans. Oh. And he, he's been doing, uh, I think there's over 140 episodes or close to it. Um, and the the people, the guests are stars, like yes. superstars. Superstars. Like it's, it's not like C-list actors. No. It's it's superstar people. Paul Rudd mm-hmm. was on just a couple weeks ago, and I was watching that one today after you told me that you were watching Hot Ones. I'm like, I'm yeah. going to go watch some Hot Ones. Yeah. Uh, so I got on it too today. <laughs> uh, dude, it's a great channel that everyone should watch because so it's... It's Amazing. pretty hilarious. Thanks for telling me about that because now I'm just like, oh, I've got a show to watch. And there's so many to backwatch yeah. now. Gotta, so I'm like, trust me, man. I won't yeah. lead you in the wrong direction. <laughs> I, I I know what's up. 
Um, <laughs> this time you did. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So tell me about, so we talked last week, I think it was last week, about yes. how important this election was um, that was coming up, um, and uh, in particular for the, the um, I guess you call them bonds. Yes, uh, referendums and, the referendums and bonds. Yep, depending yeah. upon what what you actually had. So how um, we do? We did it fantastic. Uh, all of the uh, everything passed in our local area and throughout Minnesota. A, a huge chunk of them actually got passed. Um, they're called referendums and levies. Actually, that's the the words. But though the, a bond, a bond is actually what ends up coming about of it exactly yeah Yeah, they actually take a bond and stuff so you were on the right track of that um so the district that i live in uh which my kids go to uh they passed their uh levy and then the school district that i work for passed the referendum which is i'm telling you these are like vital things we talked about it last week so Mm. happy that in an off year an off uh you know uh presidential year or even election cycle kind of a year yeah. uh, that so many people came out and voted and they voted yes and they voted to approve these things yeah, and they turn actually, was on, huge. on on the uh, ballot it you know what it says at the bottom huh. it says if you vote yes you are voting for a property tax increase so i mean if you're if you're helping to do this it's just telling you just so you know so you don't come back and tell us anything. That's actually what it says. The thing, if you vote yes, you know, it explains the thing. You know, it lists what it, the the proposal is or whatever, and then you have when you bubble that yes, you're actually saying, "Yep, raise my taxes," which is so crazy. I'm telling you, that's the reason why our systems are so messed up. This local, yeah. the pressure for local communities to basically be able to go ahead and fund these types of things is crazy. Um, Talk about so, putting your finger on the scale just on the ballot. Yeah, yeah, and, and even with that, because those things have an past those time. things have an effect. They do. Like like writing that on the bottom of the ballot changes people's votes. It could. It definitely could. I mean, where you go, oh well. <laughs> Second Awful. thought, maybe not. Yes. Yeah, so we passed them. We're super Good. happy. Um, and uh, thank goodness. All, now the schools can actually move forward with, you know, whether it's building buildings or operating monies, whatever it actually is. So another huge yes. merger in in the last couple of weeks, ISTE, I, I don't know if they bought Ed Surge, but ISTE and Ed Surge. Ed, I so, know. I, I mean, obviously ISTE's, ISTE, um, yes. and it, virtually everyone who listens to us would know who ISTE is. Yeah. Ed Surge is probably like, like if you were to rank like educational kind of news and information websites, I'd put Ed Surge easily in the top three. Yes. probably number two after Edutopia. Yeah, um, it's a it's a big site, um, and I've I've written for Ed Surge, um, which has been great, um, but it looks it looks like. They got consumed, bought, I don't know, merged. Um, they were doing a ton of media for ISTE. They were like an official partner. Yes. And had done like tons of things for ISTE in the past. Um, so this makes sense for them. But this is a big deal. Like, Yeah. And I think they said in the in the description of, you know, uh, what happened that they will continue to be independent right. at search. So, yeah, you know, they write a lot. You know, they write they a lot of a, a, yeah, opinion type of articles on different yeah. educational topics, a Straight lot of news. educational technology, some news, yeah. some whatever it actually is happening. Um, so that's great. I think that's – they couldn't go wrong. I mean as far as EdSurge is concerned, to be teaming up with ISTE is just yeah. – legitimizes even that much further like you just said they're already kind of the number one or two you know top three at least uh educational uh news sources and now with this it definitely legitimizes them even that much further probably gives them that much more uh, funding as we talked about even you know with, with schoology and power school and this whole thing where you have that much more revenue to be able to do other things whatever those things might be totally totally so the segment that's lighting the world on fire. <laughs> we left it right to the end. The Literally lighting. The tweet of the week. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. All right. So the preposterous tweet of the week this week came from 
The Modest Teacher. If you're not following The Modest Teacher, you don't have to, actually. <laughs> I'm not going to promote their account. We're fine with you not following them. Uh, but <laughs> they are a parody account of, obviously, teaching in edu Twitter kind of world. But this one rubbed me the wrong way really badly. Uh, it says here. I'll read it to you guys. Here's a thought. We have a whole generation of millennial teachers that grew up watching Glee in High School Musical, and that's why they all feel the need to dance on top of tables, etc. There's nothing inherently wrong with it. Just make it an observation. Ah, God, that just rubbed me the wrong way. I, I First of all, I really have disdain for the attack on millennials. I... I hate that the the uh, all of these types of stereotypes, sorry, that are attached to that specific group of people. First of all, a lot of people don't even know who the millennials are. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what's who's the millennials? Who's Generation uh, X? Who's Generation Z? You know, for whatever it might be. Um, and then, second of all, all of the stereotypes are wrong. I'll just say that. Of course it's, they are. Yeah. And, and it's, and what it is, is a continual perception of, of whatever, you know, like this thing right here is saying they all watch Glee in high school musical and that's why they all feel the need to dance on top of tables. It's like, ah, uh, it's just something that really grossed me out about that. And I hate this, the, the, you know, lumping all people together as far as in a group. I hate the thought that supposedly watching Glee in High School Musical was something, you know, is that negative? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I don't think there's not, there is anything wrong with that. I mean, I, I was watching Beavis and Butthead when I was in there, you know, as far as when I was young, it was, that was stupid as hell, you know, but that yeah. doesn't mean that it has any effect on you know, who you are as a teacher then later on. You know, I'm just trying to think of stupid crap that I watched or that I did as far as the thing. It has nothing to do with, the, you know, and it just feels like it's a, just an attack on that age group. How did, What did you think about it? I, I mean, if there's no better case for an okay boomer, I, I don't know. Because this, this, I don't know if this was written by a boomer or not, but it sounds... It sounds baby boomer to me, and and l- let me let me tell you that the baby boomer generation is the most destructive generation in the history of planet Earth. And you've said and that so before here. I'm very <laughs> consistent about it. And mm-hmm. so any if this was written by a boomer, they can you know shove it basically, <laughs> um, because boomers destroyed the world basically. Um, not all boomers. But no. you know, that's pretty, again, we're not stereotyping. No. We're we're just saying, but okay, pretty consistently, gonna, yes. boomers suck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you, yeah, hot take. Hashtag hot take. Yeah. Um, listen, no one in the also no generation in the history of the world. No, sorry, I'm going to clarify word precision. Hashtag word precision. <laughs> No modern, since the 60s, 50s, 40s, even maybe 50, 60 years before that, millennials have it tough is what I'm getting at here, punchline. It is impossible. It is so hard to get by as a millennial to get a job, to be successful. If you live virtually anywhere in California or, frankly, southern Ontario to buy a house. Mm, um, it's crazy. Um, you know... I we own two cars and have a you know almost a 2800 square foot house and two pretty good incomes and we're barely getting by and we have two kids and it's like it's it's never been harder so first off trashing millennials for almost anything seems really stupid to me I let them dance on the damn tables if they want to dance on the tables. Good for them. Let them do TikTok. I, I saw a teacher the other or today that was on TikTok and people were trashing her for being on TikTok. And I'm like, listen, girl, TikTok away. 
I'm I'm Do here it. for I'm here for it. You're first off, you're a great dancer, and second, just be happy. And you know that happiness translates to your classroom, mm-hmm. and and so you know if you want to get up on the damn tables and dance, get up on the tables and dance. Who are you? to tell people (laughs) what they can and can't do. And what do you care anyways? Mm -hmm. What is your actual problem? Is it because you're not happy enough to dance on the damn tables? That can't be their problem. (laughs) So, you know, finally, it says there's nothing inherently wrong with, well, clearly you think that there's something wrong with it. Yes. Um, So, you know, shove it, whatever. I was so (laughs) mad about this tweet. Um, and I couldn't decide whether it was real or a joke, um, but the, just the thought that someone, just the thought that someone would think that made me like red face, rage machine, angry. And I held there's, off on it yeah. because I totally knew it was going to be the preposterous tweet of the week. And there's some disdain here for this younger group of educators. Which, yeah, uh, wouldn't are we happy? That we have this younger group of educators, I am, educators coming in yeah. that are passionate, that love life, and that want to go ahead and basically be selfless with their kids. And then in this case, just want to like have actual fun. Yes, we should be happy about that. Oh, I know. Preposterous Gross. tweet of the week. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. When we come back, hey, listen, file under thanks, Captain Obvious. Kids need play and recess, and their mental health depends on it. We're going to talk about that when we come back. Fun Education is brought to you by FreshGrade. Are you spending too much time stumbling between apps and duplicating work? Want to spend more time connecting with your students? FreshGrade Next has powerful new lesson planning tools that will give you the flexibility you need to focus on engaging and inspiring your students. FreshGrade Next is designed for teachers and made for learning. Integrated, simple, and powerful. To learn more about FreshGrade Next and sign up for your free account, visit FreshGrade.com. On Education is brought to you by Sourcewell Technology and the Impact Education Conference. Join Jimmy Casas, Angela Myers, Michael Cohen, Jordan Shapiro, the On Education podcast team, amazing featured speakers, and thousands of educators December 14th through 17th in Minneapolis, Minnesota for the region's best education conference. Register now using promo code ONEDUCATION2019 for $30 off your registration. Also, with every registration, you'll receive a free book of your choice from one of the amazing speakers. To register for the conference, visit impact.sourcewelltech.org. That's impact.sourcewelltech.org. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Um, Glenn and I both have two boys. And um, so, you know, this this article that, that showed up in one of our friends' Twitter feeds kind of resonated with both of us. Especially, um, you know, Glenn was thinking about it, and I'll let him explain it. Um, but the the title is "Kids Need Play and Recess; Their Mental Health Depends on It." So, um, so what are, what are we saying here, Glenn? I I think we're just super hyper focused, even all the way down into elementary school, by performance, mm. and by performance I mean specifically performance on high stakes standardized testing, and we've talked about. St- testing and our disdain for it and whatever it might be. But that is actually trickling down into schedules that schools, especially at the elementary school level, where this is that's what is ticking me off about this, is it's trickling down into elementary school levels where educators and administrators are pressured basically to create these schedules for these little kids, these five, six, seven, eight year nine year old kids. And Turn them into little machines. They're learning machines. Yeah. Uh, and and honestly, you know what? The learning that you're talking about has to do with, again, specifically standardized educational out, outcomes, if you yeah. want to put them that way, uh, whether it be the common core or whatever it might be. It's we want our kids to perform at reading and math, blah, 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 scores at this level so that we can impress our politicians or our public or whoever it might be. 
And what's ending up happening, as it states in this article, is that we can see what's the effect of that right now. It's called, we have a lot of mentally uh, ill people. And a lot of our kids have mental illnesses at rates that have never happened in the past. Mm-hmm. As it says here, that they've been increasingly, uh, increasing steadily over the past, you know, 50 to 70 years. Okay. But there's five to eight times as many high school and college students meet the criteria of a major depression or an anxiety disorder. I mean, and you could say, okay, well, that has nothing to do with, you know, whatever it might be. It does. Of course it's called, it does. We're, we're, we're creating the system that's, that is now, what is it spitting out? I'll tell you what it's spitting out is kids that have some huge cases of some types of mental illness. And we talk about the need for uh, more counselors and more social workers and, and the need to be able to go ahead and, and have an ability to be able to speak to somebody that's a professional for mental illness. But one of the things that we can do is build in to our schedules that we want to try to make our little kids be like us as far as adults, build into the concept of, hey, you can just go play. Yeah, There's recess time. It's unstructured, unorganized. You go play. You have imagination games. Yeah. And our boys do that. That's like my favorite part of – of of their playing is their unstructuredness like them inventing all of these things that come up in their heads and they're mismashing all of these things that they know about is some of that that they create they sometimes draw they sometimes write stories they sometimes go outside and play and throw things whatever it might be all of that is so important to kids in the development of play and actually that's why we when we both read this book by uh, Jordan Shapiro the new childhood and he talks about sandboxes and the importance of that as far as a historical importance. That's exactly what he's freaking talking about. Mm-hmm. They figured out little kids need to have places to play. And then they need to have the time to go ahead and play. And that me and you are huge advocates of that as far as in our own personal lives. Yeah. And I think that administrators and politicians or whoever else has power – Needs to read, like, take a step back and look at what the schedules are actually doing and then provide those times. Like, for example, my little second grade kid, Lynx, is, has only one, like, 20 minute uh, recess time. And it's just not enough. I'm telling you right now, it's not enough. You know, his happiest time is that he's a great student. And, and whatever, you know, as yeah. far as the things goes. But his greatest times are when it's unstructured play during recess. And then it's after school. He stays in an after school program for about 45 minutes to an hour till we pick him up. Mm-hmm. He loves that because they mm-hmm. go outside and they have basically a, a 45 minutes to an hour of getting to play. And then they bring them in for snacks. That's his favorite time of day. It's not this organized, whatever might be a physical education where we're like drilling down the things. It's this unorganized, they get to decide what the games are and they get to just freaking play. In Ontario, um, there is mandated what they call DPA, daily physical activity. Yeah. Um, and I was surprised to read that as of 2017, uh, only eight states had policies requiring daily recess. Mm. Uh, I was pretty surprised. Crazy. I was pretty surprised to re- read that. Um, it, it feels so like like a no-brainer to us. Mm-hmm. And that's why articles like this are so jarring to me um, to understand, you know, that there are people that legitimately don't think that this is important, that this is as important or even maybe more important than, you know, that, that what you could, like, I guarantee you that you could find 30 minutes maybe even twice a day that the outside unstructured play would be significantly more learning and valuable to a student than anything yes. that you would do inside. Um, there are important blocks of time in a, in a child's day in the classroom, obviously, but I mean, please find time. Even listen, 
even if it's not mandated, even if you don't, like there are some creative ways that you can get around this um, as a teacher, uh, you know, to take yeah. control of of this situation. Even if you don't have a recess block or a very small recess block in your day, just create another one. Create opportunities for your kids to be physical in the classroom even. Um, one of the things that I know I've done before and I've seen done before is something like playing Just Dance, which is a, a video game. But you, you put you can put Just Dance videos. There's actually, they are all on yes. YouTube. So you can put Just Dance videos up on YouTube and put them up on your screen and then have all the kids just dance dance along to the videos. Yes. Um, just Dance is a modern game. There's a Just Dance 2020. So it's not like you have to play like Just Dance 2014 or 20 whatever where the songs are outdated. Um, these, would be, uh, these would be songs that the kids would know and love because it's it's constantly updated. So I, I think that there are... I, I, I really strongly encourage educators to take the matter almost into their own hands and build in um, as much time as you can to get outside if you can, um, yes. but at the very least... Um, stand up even, please have oh them, goodness. have them Movement. moving. I mean, literally on an Apple watch, it tells you to, to stand up. up every, every, one, at least for a few minutes, every, every hour. And, you know, but we expect our students to sit in chairs or on the floor all day. It's for just, it's, it's just stupid. Um, it doesn't make sense. It's, no. it's, it's archaic and it's wrong to be mm -hmm. perfectly frank. And so, I would strongly encourage teachers, if you are only getting 20 hours of recess in your day, um, which is 20 minutes, so yep. bad, I mean, please find another 20 minutes, maybe in the afternoon, uh, find some more time, you know, try to build it into learning. Um, think of creative ways and we'd love for you to share them. Like if you, yes. if you have ideas on ways that you've built creative physical activity into your literal classroom in the room um please share them i think we'll we'll make this a chat on chat on education yes. so that we can share some ideas um because i think that this is this is too important super important and you know even the the idea of unstructured play you know that's not physical is incredibly critical as well we both let our kids play a lot of video games and admittedly, and things like Minecraft, for example, you know, and I swear to God, Minecraft comes up almost every episode, but <laughs> it's, it is an unstructured mm -hmm. sandbox where kids can decide what they want to do that day and then just go and do it. And nothing is essentially, nothing is stopping them from doing whatever they want to do in the game. Um, and there are lots of games like that. I mean, this game that I'm playing, Oxygen Not Included, is the same. And there are tons of other games like that, too, that really foster the idea of unstructured play and creativity. Um, and we'd encourage, you know, parents, you know, if you're if you're if you sense that your child isn't getting time at school to have that free kind of open opportunity to just be themselves Please give it to them at home, mm -hmm. um, whether that's like like you said, Glenn, drawing. Uh, Glenn, um, Isaac loves to draw. He has yes. notepads and pencils, and he has a, we got him a Wacom tablet, so he draws on Photoshop on his computer and lots of things like that. Um, but, you know, you need to find these opportunities. When we come back, we'll be joined by Jeff Bradbury, so stay with us. On Education is brought to you by Fidgets. Fidgets are interactive USB sensors that support all major programming languages that make physical computing easy. Fidgets keep the emphasis on coding while increasing student engagement. And the best part is that you can get started for free right now. Simply go to bit.ly slash Fidgets on Education to get your introductory kit that includes a free sensor worth over $50. That's bit.ly slash Fidgets on Education. 
Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Our guest this week is Jeff Bradbury. He's an instructional technology coach, a broadcasting teacher, and the host of the TeacherCast podcast. He'll be presenting a workshop at FETC 2020 on how to podcast in the classroom. Uh, welcome to the show, Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for having me. It is so great to be here. We are thrilled to have uh, you on. In, um Jeff, why don't you give us a little bit of a background uh, in information? Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what you're doing with yourself that keeps you busy. Sure. I am a, a proud New Jersey educator that's now working in Connecticut teaching middle school broadcasting. And I also am ha having this amazing opportunity to teach kids what I love. We're doing podcasts. We're we're doing project-based learning. We've got a lot of great things happening on there. Um, as you said, I, I am also a tech coach. I have an opportunity to work with tech coaches both in my school district and around the country. Um, you can find all the information out over on the TeacherCast Educational Network at TeacherCast.net. And you can find us on the socials everywhere that you go on TeacherCast. Amazing. Uh, so you're like the dean of edu podcasting, maybe the godfather of edu podcasting. You can tell us which one of those titles you prefer. I think they're both pretty badass. So uh, <laughs> you can you can pick one. But but either way, you've been in this medium longer than almost anyone. Um, so tell us what drew you to podcasting back when no one was doing it. And when the technology supporting it was minimal, we, we you couldn't do what we're doing now, looking at each other on camera, not at least not as easily. Um, you know, t almost ten years ago or whatever, when you back in the Stone Ages when you started podcasting, <laughs> um, you know, you couldn't do any of this. So, so what was it about it then, and uh, and you know, what drew you to it? Well, I, I did get uh, started into podcasting in uh, what we call BT time, which in our house, that's before triplets. Oh. And it was uh, around this time in 2010. And, and very simply, I was looking for some help learning how to use the new iMacs that were being put into my classroom. I, I found a podcast from this guy named Dennis called Your Mac Show. And basically, he was creating a show um, of screencasts. Every little button on your Mac, he would show you how to use. And I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, one of the episodes I was listening to, he was doing a giveaway. Uh, if you answer this question, I'll give you a $50 iTunes card. And I... I you know, why not? Um, knew the answer, emailed him with the answer, and within 20 minutes, he writes back and says, hey, you won the card. Congratulations. Um, I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, you, you really can't do this in radio. You, you can't just email Howard Stern and he turns around and gives you 50 bucks. It doesn't work that way. But the fact that this guy was was just doing this thing out of service, out of love to help, you know, he wasn't growing an audience. He wasn't building a community. He just wanted to help other people learn how to use technology. Um, long story short, him and I became good friends. We actually did a show called Apple Aid, which uh, very much turned into the traditional 2010 podcast. You know, two guys talking about their iPhones. Um, and then after a while, we basically looked at each other and I said, you know, you're doing this show where you're showing people how to use all the technology and it's great. I would love to do the same thing, but I'd like to do it towards education. And I want to show educators how to use their phones and their tablets and their applications. And he fired me. And I say that all, all, all the time that way because really what he did, it was that mama bird pushing you off the tree saying, you have an idea? Go with it. Um, it was awesome. He, you know, he's still a good friend, kind of a mentor kind of a thing. And and every time something, a milestone happens, he's always the first one that I call and say, hey, this wouldn't have happened without you pushing me. Thank you. Um, Teacher Cast is has been amazing for the last eight, eight, eight and a half years. It's taken me around the planet. It's taken me to the White House. It's taken me to ISTE seven or eight times now. I just got done speaking uh, at the New Jersey Teachers Convention um, for the eighth year in a row, and they give me a huge space and let me bring my Teacher Cast booth in there. I did 15 sessions over two days. It was absolutely amazing. Nice. I basically build a, wow. I, I basically build an ed camp inside of the teacher's convention because I, yeah. I do all these different sessions and I was sending some pictures to all of our edu podcasters friends about it. But you know what? It's, it's been a blast. Um, teacher cast has given my family a lot. Uh, it's well-documented through, through Ted talks and through the blogs and through the podcast of 
if it wasn't for my podcast, I don't think my kids would be alive. Um, TeacherCast mm. certainly has helped my wife get into and through and beat breast cancer. Wow. And and it's, you know, even today I get a phone call from a tech coach in Texas and, and they're like, I listened to the show. Thank you so much. And do you have a couple minutes? I have a few questions for you. Mm. It, it's pretty awesome. Um, I, I don't talk about these things a lot because I tend not to turn around and I tend not to take it in. That's just not my personality. But it, when you do sit and think about what the last eight and a half years have been, both not only to my family, but to those who have kind of listened and been around the journey with me, um, it, it's been an amazing, amazing, uh, simply an amazing thing. So, Jeff, not only have you been doing this for a long time, but you have so much wisdom to share about this space and you're so willing to go ahead and share that uh, on your website, teachercast.net. You're offering so many amazing resources for prospective podcasting educators. But I was thinking about this. What is the most important piece of advice you have for an educator that's looking to start their own podcast? There's a lot of different pieces like top 10 things, this five stuff, whatever it might be. But if we just narrowed it to one item or just a couple of items, what, what would, advice would you give them? You know, I look at TeacherCast as a lot of things. And, and one of the things that I try to be is a translator. And you realize a couple years ago, podcasting became a thing. And, and we can talk mm -hmm. about this a little bit later. But I, I truly believe that we're now in our third wave of educational podcasters. Mm. And every podcaster always has the same questions. How do I do it? And how do I do it for free? And, you know, eight years ago, there were a lot of great shows. You know, you had Daniel J. Lewis doing Audacity, the podcast and Ray Ortega, and you had uh, the podcast Answer Man. And they were talking in these huge, huge terms of, you know, compressors and limiter gates and, and, and oh. no fifth grade teacher needs to hear about that stuff. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> and so I took it upon myself to, to regurgitate all of that stuff in an educational lens. Again, this is what I did to start with. Like I took the, the, the technical stuff and made it in for a fifth grade teacher. And so we created two channels. One is called educationalpodcasting.com, which in there I'm talking to guys like yourself. I want to be a podcaster. I want to create yeah. this stuff and here I go. And I love that show because it gives me the opportunity to bring on the professionals and mm -hmm. ask them the question, how do I do this for free? And I've had an, and that's how I met people like Dave Jackson and Todd Cochran, and I had Daniel J. Lewis on. And but also, it also helps you create websites. So I had Syed Balki on from WP Ginner, and I had all these WordPress guys coming on, and it was my way of bringing in professional development. So that's educationalpodcasting.com. But that didn't answer all the questions that my my listeners had. So mm. I created podcastingwithstudents.com. And that really is all the classroom stuff. How do you use a screencasting tool? How do you, you know, record audio off of your phone or off of a Chrome extension? And how do you edit it with using Google Slides? You know, it, it gives me that opportunity to really talk out of both sides here and really put something together for not just educational podcasters, but educator podcasters as well. Yes. So... I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I imagine that you listen to a decent amount of podcasts as well. Uh, I'm curious what you're listening to. I, I, I'm on record on multiple. I get asked all the time, frankly, what I'm listening to. I'm sure you do too. Uh, and I'm fairly on record saying I don't listen to many other ed tech educational podcasts, but I do listen to a ton of podcasts. And I've learned how to podcast from listening to a bunch of podcasts that I that I like and enjoy. So I'm curious who you listen to, who you love, who's on your playlist right now, um, and who are you? I'm I'm that's kind of part A. This is a two part question. The the second part being, um, who are you learning from still in this space? I, I think that I am uh, actually Glenn and I were just texting each other earlier today about listening to people interview and learning about their styles and how they ask questions. Uh, and that being an, uh, an important trait of someone who does this, if you have an interview show, you should probably be okay at interviewing. Um, I'm curious who you're learning from in this space still and, and who you try to model or, or, or look to. 
It's an important question. Um, in my previous position, I had a half an hour drive to work. And because of that, I picked up a lot. Number one, you never have a show more than 25 minutes. And if you do, then go 55 minutes. Yeah, we Because do. that way you're going to get them coming and going. <laughs> um, in my current position, I have a 70-mile drive, and it's, sometimes it's a three-hour drive home. Jeez, so yeah. I, I am listening wow. to more shows. Um, I'll give you the, the, the overall. I don't listen to a lot of educators doing podcasts. And, and, and you know, the people that are in our circles that we on you know, Voxer groups and stuff, I mean, we've talked a lot about that stuff. Reason why I don't listen to other educators is I don't want to pick up on their topics. I don't want to pick up on their guests. I don't want to have my sound be emulate or emulate somebody else's sound. And, and that's not that's not a good or a bad thing to say. That is a philosophy that I actually got by listening to some stand-up comics. They say, look, I'll go to the comedy club and I'll support my buddy. I'm not listening to them because I don't want my stand-up, com- com- uh, you know, comic stuff um, to be this other person, yeah. and, and that kind of makes sense in the way of podcasting. I don't want to do my show, but then have it turn into your show with your questions because I'm listening to you an awful lot. Mm-hmm. The shows that I love listen to a lot are, believe it or not, I listen to a lot of stand-up shows. I listen to a lot of of wrestling shows. Um, a lot of what I'm doing right now is influenced by a show called Something to Wrestle With. And if you if you're in the wrestling space, you you you've got to know the name Conrad Thompson. And he basically has been revolutionizing entertainment radio. He started off with one show, broke all the rules, and came up with a format of how to do a podcast. And he's doing like three hour long shows, five hour long shows. But the format works. You start mm. off by talking about last week's show. You have a great conversation, and then you end with talking about next week's show. And that seems very simple. But now you're plugging last week's episode and next week's episode. And in the middle, you're just having a good time weaving back and forth. And I use that same format format and formula for my Ask the Tech Coach show. And what I've noticed is listeners have gone up. The retention has gone longer. And for the first time in eight years, I had somebody come up and not say, hey, I like TeacherCast or I've heard of you or I subscribe to you. They actually said, I love the topics that you do on that particular podcast, which really means a lot. Um, I, I would rather have somebody say, I like that one particular show than come up to me and say, I'm a lengthy subscriber because we, you know our our mission here is to really find a topic and and have it resonate with somebody. So mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of stand up. You know, if you look at a stand up, they have to come out on a cold stage. Mm-hmm. What's the first thing that they say? Because their job is to tell a story for 5 minutes, for 20 minutes, for an hour, for whatever and weave all of these different topics into a thread and then at the end you have that punchline and you leave. And I try to do that with my shows. I try to do that with my with my PD. I try to do it with all my classes. How do you have one narrative going through an entire show and have that listener not want to figure out where the next podcast is coming from? I want them to listen to the entire thing. So stand-up comedy is where I listen to it a lot. A lot of Carlin, Chris Rock, um, Jim Norton. But at the same time, you know, wrestling shows are there who who better to get in and do a 30 second promo than a wrestler so i i pick up a lot of stuff from a lot <laughs> of people so jeff i'm a technology slash instructional coach and i find myself having to explain what i do and don't do all the time uh, and i believe this definition varies so greatly from each school each district and especially from each state i know that you just presented on this topic at the uh, new jersey education association conference um so when asked this question i saw it on on a a, a a picture that you took, what exactly does a tech coach do? What do you tell people? You know, I, I it, it, it's the joke, right? If there's 10 yeah. tech coaches in a room, you have 25 job descriptions. <laughs> it's true. And it's just so true. I'm a tech coach. You're a technology integration specialist. You're a digital learning media specialist who happens to be here on Sundays. Through, What do we do? <laughs> we are here to provide a way to have the vision of the school district be seen in the classrooms. And for that reason, I talk a lot and do a lot of trainings on things like ed tech integration plans, which when somebody says, what's that? I go, yes, that's why it's difficult for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
the somewhere down the road, the community got together and said, this is the vision for your school district. We want to do this in three years and five years. And then the tech director comes around and says, well, we're going to be buying Chromebooks to do that. Mm. Usually that's where it stops. <laughs> yeah. And it's the tech coach that has to come in and say, if you want us to be one-to-one and you're buying us Chromebooks, here's the plan for what it's going to look like in the classroom, how we're going to train your teachers, when we're going to train your teachers, and all that other good stuff that we talk about over on AskTheTechCoach.com. And that's why we created our Tech Coach Mastermind. And that's why, I've, like I said at the beginning, I've had a very good fortune to work with you know hundreds of tech coaches at at at, at conferences and at ISTEs and it's just a topic that I'm really, really passionate about because for so many tech coaches, we are that one person in a district where there's multiple buildings, multiple masters, multiple thoughts. What ties us all together when you live in a world where you're not a teacher and you're not an administrator, you're in everything, but you're in nothing, mm-hmm. but you are the expert that comes in with that trainer badge or that whatever it is that you happen to carry along. And, you know, we're just trying to to do the right thing. But what is the right thing? And so long story short, yeah, when you say you're you're this topic and I say I'm this topic, we really are that pathway that says, what's the vision and how are we going to get there? That's it. So you're presenting at FETC 2020 on podcasting in the classroom. Um I I have no doubt with the growth of podcasting and it's it, it's exploding. Um, it's going to be a quite a popular session, I I suspect. Tell us a little bit about your session, how you set it up, um, how you're going to approach talking to people about podcasting at FETC. You know, I love this topic. I call it my Teacher Cast Podcasting Workshop, and the reason why I'm excited about FETC this year is because in the past, as an orchestra teacher and also as a tech coach, I was always describing things in theory. Like, here's how you could set something up. Here's how I've worked with a teacher who did this. But I said this a couple of times today, even to my principal. I said, you know, last week at the New Jersey conference, it was the first time really in 18 years I was able to give professional development about what I'm doing and what my students are doing. And one of the things that we put together over the last couple of years, and I'm finally being able to do it in my middle school classroom, is we created an entire curriculum around audio and video. And we talk about what are some of the ways that we can enhance our lessons. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, Many teachers out here know what a five-paragraph essay is, right? You have an intro, you have three body paragraphs, and you have a closing. Well, we also know that it takes eight to ten times of hearing something before we really start to understand it, learn it, remember it. So if a kid's going to go through the through the task of learning, researching, outline, rough draft, medium draft, final draft, I still don't think that's the end of the journey. I think we can take that and we can turn that into a podcast. Why not use an application like Synth and say, okay, the first paragraph is going to be podcast one. Just read the thing. And then the body paragraphs are going to be podcast two, three, and four. And then the closing paragraph is going to be podcast five. Just read what you're writing. That way you hear yourself over and over again. Even if we take it up to the next level, if we did that five paragraph podcast and we said, we're going to do this as a group project and the group is going to take the intro paragraph and then each member of the group takes a body paragraph and then the group does the goes the closing paragraph. It's a way to bring in more than one host or, or, or co-hosts into this whole concept. So what you're going to learn if you come to us over at, at, at FETC, and it's going to be on Tuesday, January 14th from, oh my, 10.30 to 12.30 Eastern, you're nice. going to learn how to start your your curriculum in September with a simple Simple exercise that I'm probably sure you're doing now, but we're going to kick it up with audio and video, and we're going to take you all the way through the end of June, and we're going to give you an entire curriculum of how to using podcasting in the classroom. That sounds fantastic. So how can people connect with you? What websites should we go ahead and plug? Uh, 
Anything else that you think of, Jeff? You know, when I look at my website, I, I call it my digital hub. And I believe that every website should be, have, should be set up to answer a question. So if you go to teachercast.net, I've got five questions. And the basic question is, what do you want to learn today? And so if you're a tech coach, you can say, I want to learn about instructional coaching. If you're into podcasting, you can say, I want to get, I want to learn how to use audio and video. If you're looking to build your brand, if you want to, you know, side hustle and email marketing and, and all newsletter, all that stuff, you can say, I need help with building my brand. And there's a whole bunch of different stuff on there. And it's all basically based off of five questions of what do you want to learn today? And I encourage anybody to go over to teachercast.net and check it out. But specifically, if you're looking for podcasting in the classroom, you can go to podcastingwithstudents.com. Awesome. FETC will be in Miami in January. It's pretty exciting. Learn more about all the great presenters like Jeff and a bunch of our other friends. You're going to hear a bunch of them coming up on the podcast over the next few weeks. Uh, learn more about them at FETC.org. Jeff Bradbury, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And by the way, happy birthday. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the Education Podcast Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Jennifer Gonzalez, Matt Miller, and many more by visiting edupodcastnetwork.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.